From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. From the Rocky Mountains of Denver, Colorado, my name is Charlie Robinson. Thanks for hanging out with me for the next hour. If you want to connect with me, you can do so via email, charlierobinson at tntradio.live. You can follow me on Twitter, at Macroaggressions. You can catch my podcast, Macroaggressions, wherever podcasts are served. Let's jump into the headlines for this Friday, December 15th, 2023. Facebook diversity manager admits to stealing more than $4 million to fund her lavish lifestyle. Global head of employee resources group and diversity engagement at Facebook. Should have kept the stealing under $950 in California. They wouldn't have even prosecuted you. You could have just done that all over again. Uh, I bet her prison Instagram account is going to be wild. 19 years ago, journalist Gary Webb was murdered after exposing CIA drug trafficking. That's from Activist Post. Um, A reminder that the CIA is the epitome of organized crime. And um, if you think it's limited to just Gary Webb, I would throw out the name Danny Casalero, author of The Octopus, who was murdered at age 46. And don't think that didn't go through my mind when I was writing my first book, The Octopus of Global Control, also at age 46. And Oklahoma governor signs executive order effectively banning DEI in all state institutions. That's diversity, equity, and inclusion. Equal opportunity instead of equal outcomes, they said. Finally, a dose of sanity. And finally, from Zero Hedge, Washington lawmaker wants to toss people in jail for using gas-powered leaf blowers because they contribute to climate change. Uh, I've got bad news for for all of you that think this is never going to happen in your state. It's already happening in California. They put this into law. And it's never going to end. You understand this, of course. It's leaf blowers today. It's your gas grill tomorrow. It's your gas-powered car the day after that. It's a very slippery slope. It will never end. The climate grift is here to stay. There is far too much money invested in it in the form of carbon taxes, which will become tax credits that will be tradable in the new marketplace that the corrupt banks just created. So it is the funding mechanism for the new world order. It has been discussed at length in books by the Club of Rome, uh, David Rockefeller, Maurice Strong, Al Gore, Bill Gates. These are not people that are seriously interested in preserving the world and saving it from carbon dioxide, the gas of life that we need in our atmosphere. These are people that are only actually concerned with modifying human behavior. That's the reason why when they talk about climate change, they only talk about anthropogenic climate change, not uh, that having to do with man-made means as opposed to natural events. So I find it interesting that that leaf blowers are the the, the main uh, enemy in this scenario. But of course, you know, this is what authoritarians do. They go around looking for for petty crimes and make them into a, a big deal and then try to remake society in their image. This is um, this has been a, a staple for California. We've watched California enact some sort of insane policies, but um, 
the state of Washington is never really too far behind because they have a similar situation. You, they're so concerned about gas-powered leaf blowers, but strangely all right when you institute an autonomous zone known as CHAZ in the downtown Seattle district and run rampant with no laws uh, inside there. That's all fine and dandy. Stunning and brave, I might even say. Hey, if you missed your favorite TNT radio show or interview, simply listen back when you want, wherever you want. Just visit episodes on the TNT radio website. We're on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbeam, iHeart, and TuneIn. Now, there is no reason to miss out on anything on TNT Radio. It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. Vilifying MAGO is just not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. According to a new CBS News report, the federal government's terrorist watch list has hit approximately 2 million people worldwide and includes thousands of Americans. Here with the story. Joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Hey, Ruckus, I don't suppose 535 members of Congress are on this list by any chance, are they? Well, hey, maybe at least a, a handful. Um, I, I've seen reports where they're like uh, eight-week-old babies that make this list and then they can't fly. You know, it's crazy. Um, so there's a lot to be said here. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot to unpack, uh, not the least of which is what defines a terrorist. Uh, but this number, Charlie, uh, is almost double, nearly two times higher than it was just six years ago, according to the CBS News report. Um this revelation uh, about this incredibly huge, I mean, like two million, there's, you're telling me on this planet, there are two million terrorists. All right. Anyway, uh, so this revelation was derived from an extensive review of court records, government documents, interviews with intelligence community leaders, and it paints a complex picture of national security measures and civil liberties. Uh, that's an understatement. Uh, the terrorist screening data set. Uh, this is a consolidated watch list of individuals deemed as known or suspected terrorists. And it has seen a dramatic increase in numbers. Uh, launched in 2003 with approximately 120,000 individuals. That's a small number compared to. 2 million. Uh, it ballooned to 1.6 million individuals by the year 2017. And as of the end of 2023, uh, pretty much we're there. This figure has reached an astonishing 2 million, including, as noted there, uh, thousands of Americans. Now, according to Russ Travers, this is a four decade veteran of the U.S. intelligence community who helped create the watch list. He said, quote, it doesn't mean they're a terrorist. It means there's something that has led a department or agency to say, this person needs a closer look, end quote. However, the criteria for adding individuals to this list remains shrouded in secrecy, with the government neither confirming nor denying an individual's presence on the list. Monty Hawkins, uh, overseeing watch listing policy for President Biden, claims that, quote, those two million people who are on the list are on there for a reason, end quote, with a majority being non-U.S. citizens or legal residents. Yet the lack of transparency and accountability in this process raises significant concerns. Reading directly from the CBS News report, 
Uh, national security officials acknowledge that there are people listed in the consolidated terrorist database whose names should probably be removed, but that there isn't enough staff to audit every person's file regularly. Travers said, quote, I'm sure that there are a lot of people that are in the database that are dead that we don't even know it, end quote. The interagency group that oversees the watch list also administers a second list targeting primarily American gangs with international ties. That other watch list, known as the Transnational Organized Crime Actor Detection Program, contains another 40,000 individuals, according to a recent audit obtained by CBS News. Uh, that's enough from there. Zero Hedge. Uh, goes on to say people on the watch list have faced various challenges from being prevented from flying to failing background checks for employment. The Department of Homeland Security acknowledges that 98 percent of complaints filed were due to, quote unquote, false positives, often caused by a similarity in one's name. Oh, well, your name is John Smith. Well, we've got a terrorist here by the name of John Smith. Yep, yep. You get sucked into that. Uh, one striking case uh, that proves this involved a Stanford Ph.D. student who, after a nine year legal battle, was removed from the watch list due to an FBI agent's clerical error, as pointed out by the CBS News report. In one case, it took a Stanford Ph.D. student fighting a nine year court battle to prove that she was wrongfully listed. The FBI finally admitted she was watch listed by mistake because an agent had accidentally checked a wrong box. The FBI told CBS News that it recently revised its criteria to require more identifying information about individuals for them to be added to the database. If enough information is not provided for any individual, that person won't be listed and people already on the list will be removed if their files are deemed too thin under the new standard. Officials said they were also prioritizing the collection of biometrics particularly faces and fingerprints, to reduce cases of mistaken identity. At least that's according to the report from CBS News, who also, according to this report, says that the threat of both foreign and domestic terrorism are on the rise, which intelligence community insiders, of course, say means that the watch list is a critical part of its, quote, early warning system, end quote. But, Charlie, as I alluded to earlier, the changing definition of what it means to be a terrorist these days, plus the fact that we don't know exactly what or who the government considers a terrorist, this is very frightening to me. It always has been and it always will be. But what do you think about this particular report? False positives? 98% false positives? Is this the PCR test of terrorism? This is, this is, this is a joke, Good of one. course. <laughs> um, listen, I have a problem with this for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is that the term terrorist, though, when you throw it around on X, it's uh, used as a pejorative and it's used to, you know, show, paint somebody in a negative light. But it's a legal term now under the Patriot Act, which declared the United States as a homeland and the homeland as a battlefield. And if you are deemed legally to be a terrorist operating on the battlefield in the homeland, you don't have any rights. You could be disappeared to Guantanamo Bay 
black bagged, taken away, no attorneys, your family doesn't know where you are. I know it sounds like something like this would never ever happen here, but let's this is this is a legally binding definition. That's what scares me the most. It's one thing to just call somebody a terrorist, but when you actually put them on a government list that has 98% false positives for names you've got and their excuse is that we don't have the staff you hired government agents to sit around and do nothing all day long it's all they do is nothing you can't put a couple people on this to double check the the database you know it's not like a database of whether or not your kid you know missed a day of kindergarten this is whether or not you are a terrorist in the eyes of the united states government it sounds like a I don't know, like a kind of important list to get right. Or am I out of my mind on this one? No, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the, the lamest excuse I've ever heard is to blame this on not enough manpower. How many times do we hear about people who need jobs, Charlie? I mean, let's put two and two problems together and get them both fixed at the same time. Actually, I think they should just um, they need to be more open and transparent with the people. And I think they need to change their loose definition of terrorism. It's just a, a convenient label that they throw on. Um, you know, basically anyone who does uh, disagrees with the uh, the status quo these days. Um, you know, they they had to look, look, they, they in order for the Israel-Palestine thing, Hamas has been in existence for a long time. And just recently, did they get labeled as a terrorist to help build up support for this push for another war? So it's a very useful label, Charlie. Yeah, well, they well, well my question is, if if if. Uh, if if we're the terrorists, what is the solution? What is the government going to? We've seen what they've done in, in the uh, interest of you know, de, you know destroying terror cells. Is it what what happens next? Is are you are you going to go to student council meetings or uh, board of director meetings at the at the at the local schools and and arrest parents for questioning whether or not. Uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity uh, agendas are being taught at their school. Because if you remember, that's what they did. They they put the 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 parents that, that complained in uh, Virginia at the school board, they called them domestic terrorists, labeled them as such. And that is a, that's a scary and very slippery slope. And of course, I wouldn't trust this even under the best of circumstances. But given that you're asking the federal government, who is notorious for making massive catastrophic mistakes and 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 then never really rectifying the problems, this is some the type of thing that can not just put somebody, you know, not just get you kicked off of your flight, but actually get you put into a prison without representation and disappeared. I mean, this is, I mean, this is Operation Condor all over again, but black bagging and disappearing people because you, because somebody up the chain of command decided to label them as a terrorist. Uh, I think that this is something that needs to be made public. It needs to be out in the open. You need to have some sort of process for challenging this. As you mentioned, an 18 month baby gets put on the list. I'm sure, I'm sure, um, I'm sure it was a terrorist in training though, Ruckus, right? I mean, they had terrorists leanings. Maybe they posted something derogatory on Facebook. Who knows? It's so it's all so annoying and so frustrating. It and is. I appreciate and very you for bringing it up. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Charlie. Hopefully we'll make it through the weekend without getting black bagged, right? Well, we can we we certainly should hope so. But no guarantees, as we know, in Biden's America, uh, anything is possible. Thanks, Ruckus. We'll sit. We'll catch you on Monday. How about that? Um, 
hour in the second half of the hour i've got david whitehead he is the producer of cult of the medics documentary series which is fantastic and right after the break we'll be back with monica perez this is tnt radio rick munn on tnt radio there was a, a statement that i saw last week that i thought was quite interesting from one of these uh, web spokespeople the world economic forum spokesperson and one thing that she said that i thought was quite interesting was she said you know um there is been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative and she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called missing disinformation she said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for people to really grab and get their heads around so that's not really taking off the way they want to either and then she said something very interesting she said you know what when the water crisis comes people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water and if you don't have water for a few days at a time you'll know all about it so maybe you know we're hypothesizing a little bit about what's what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a world economic forum type narrative could this be what it is locked and loaded with rick munn on today's news talk tnt radio the lights is britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk CO2 sustains all life on Earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. We're back with the Charlie Robinson Show. My first guest is one of the best researchers out there. She had a very long career on the drive time radio in Atlanta. You can check out her podcast, Deep Dives with Monica Perez, my friend, Monica Perez. Hey, Monica, how are you? It's always great to talk to you. What are you up to? It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, Well, I've just been doing my thing, doing a little deep dive into the latest news. And just, you know, when I don't have to turn away in shock and horror, I can actually find out the, uh, the real scoop on a few things, but also preparing for Christmas. It's uh, almost Christmas, so Merry Christmas to you, Charlie. And Merry Christmas to your family as well. And if I know anything about you, you're probably going to be making delicious cocktails on Christmas (laughs) Eve because you've got some skills that don't always show up in the journalism department, but sometimes sometimes around the bar and the fire, and we know that. Um, That is true. There will be rosemary syrup this year. I'm sure there will be. Hey, let's talk about this, what's going on over in the Middle East. It's not too polarizing of an issue or anything. Wink, wink. Um, but this leader of Hamas, he has a fishy backstory. Yad <laughs> Sinwar, leader since 2017. He was held by the Israelis in prison for about two decades. He was released in 2012 in part of uh, a hostage exchange. And Look, given what we know about the founding of Hamas by Israeli Mossad and financed by Iranians and financed by the Qataris and financed by some people that are external to this um, or, you know, to the to the state of Palestine. 
it makes me a little bit nervous when I see these leaders because I wonder how much of them are actually controlled opposition. You have Benjamin Netanyahu saying on, on the record, we control the height of the flame. He also talked about in an interview that's on video. I mean, presumably he wasn't drunk. He was saying, we need to support Hamas. It's very important that we support Hamas. That wasn't taken like 40 years ago. That was 2019. Yeah. Yeah. So so we're talking about um we're talking about a situation that the media, as they often do, the corporate mainstream uh, mockingbird press spins it in a certain way. But you and I know better than to follow that narrative. What have you found about this guy? Well, the way I approached it this week was really from a propaganda perspective, because there had been all these articles coming out over the past couple of weeks, like who is Yaya Sinwar? And then one came out from the Wall Street Journal that said just on Monday, I think it was or over the weekend, the Hamas leader who studied Israel's psyche and is betting his life on what he learned. And to me, that's just an absolute red flag, because when they start talking about really irrational, senseless things, such as the October 7th event, where it was very clear that no matter what they accomplished that day, it would give Israel an excuse to just level Gaza, which is exactly what they did. It was completely predictable. And you have to wonder who would do that and why. So when you start seeing them try to uh, put all these like irrational, psychological or even clever psychological attributes to these these um, supervillains, that's a big red flag to me. So uh, I heard that that was a big thing. And the way they uh, framed it was that he felt like um, he had uh, his finger on the pulse of the Israeli psyche. And if only they could um, capture some Israeli soldiers, they would have all this leverage to get Palestinian prisoners freed from jail for having killed Israelis. And he explained that Israeli soldiers have an exalted place in society. But I believe that every single solitary adult is drafted into the military. And so how you can have an exalted place, except for the Orthodox, which also have an exalted place. So that doesn't make sense. There's only been twice when they've ever negotiated with terrorists, quote, and that is um, the time when he was released in a prisoner exchange and when his the founder of Hamas, Yassin, who was his mentor, was also released in a prisoner exchange. So it would not be a thing that you would think that they would do. It seems fishy that they do it. It was described as the um, by one of the big ways, IDF or whatever, uh, the biggest or his interrogator, the biggest mistake they ever made was letting this guy out. So the idea of having some weird and then he's his purpose and in life is to get the rest of the prisoners out. So there's some irrational stuff going into trying to explain what's more likely a false flag. And then the other like really obvious flag to me is how many mistakes were made on both sides. So you have the Israeli mistakes, like we didn't see it coming or they, oh, you know, they got our defenses down. Um, we let this guy out in the first place. That was a huge mistake. So when I see, and then and then the flip side is, oh, he miscalculated. He thought that he made two um, possible errors in his calculation. This is all from a Wall Street Journal article. This is all the official narrative that is the tell of how the the actual truth of it isn't really going to explain it. And they said, well, he 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 gambled that Iran 
and Hezbollah would start a regional war, massive war that would crush Israel. Now, that's unlikely. And then the other big mistake was that he gambled that Israel would not retaliate, which is ridiculous. And of course, it's not possible for those both to be true at the same time, because if Iran starts a big war, obviously Israel is going to retaliate. But this guy, when he was elected to run Hamas in 2017, other Hamas leaders had to ensure that he would told assured the people that he would not provoke israel so this is not what they wanted that to change the election laws to get this guy in and the real absolute tell about this guy in my opinion is most of the time he was in jail it was for killing high-ranking palestinians single-handedly even uh, some of them were hamas leaders against the um advice or the consent of other hamas leaders saying that they were traitors and working for israel which israel has denied so it sounds very like stalin or Zelensky, like go in there and kill your political enemies and claim that they're spies working for the other side i mean we do it like we put people in jail who object to wars saying that they're working for the other side. So his he was called the butcher of Khan Yunus because of the Palestinians he was killing. Wow, that's a huge uh, <laughs> bit of breaking news. But but we when when they make these massive mistakes and then uh, pretend as if they didn't mean that for these things to happen. And we call that pulling a Rumsfeld. That's when that when they say <laughs> mistakes were made. We, we, we don't, Monica. We don't want to live in the past. We're charting a course forward. You know what I mean? Right. This well, we is, started the is... war. We just we have to finish it now. Like that's the best one. Like we would if we had it to do over again, we wouldn't have done this. But we've got to finish it now. Of course, yes. Well, listen, we, you and I both know you. You, we had uh, Brad Binkley on on uh, yesterday. He was your partner with Propaganda Report for a long time. So I know. And my sidekick on the radio. Yeah. And sidekick on the radio too. Yeah, I know that when I want to get good information about how to read the 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 mainstream media in a way that's a little bit different. It's almost like you have a a, a secret decoder ring when you hear <laughs> some of the terms that they use. You know, sources close to the president's thinking said dot dot dot. You go, well, that's the CIA, of course. That's that's the what pattern that means. recognition. Exactly. It's all about pattern recognition. Recognition. Let's drop out for a quick break. We'll be back with Monica Perez in one minute. Now, I've got, I've got good news and, and bad news. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer has called President Joe Biden's residence a crime scene in relation to Hunter Biden's alleged use of the property for dubious activities. Senator Katie Britt and other Republican members of the Senate Committee on Rules and Administration have proposed the Citizen Ballot Protection Act, a bill aimed at empowering states to confirm the U.S. citizenship of people registering to vote by mail. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk this is TNT Radio. Telling you, even the commercials on TNT radio are cool. Monica, let's wrap up with what was going on over in the Middle East. You had some final thoughts on this. 
Yes, just one more thing on Sinwar and then a broader picture. Sinwar did another thing that's a big tell. He merged the military and political arms of Hamas, which then Israel said makes Gaza fair fair game for the Israeli military. So that's kind of COINTEL Pro. Take the Black Panthers, you insert a bunch of guns, and it's on. So I think that's an old trick. But one thing I found very interesting is uh, I, I feel like the whole narrative is all of a sudden where you used to never hear pro-Palestinian stuff at all. Now you hear it like crazy and it's squarely placed in the left. So it's part of the whole dialectic now. It's super polarizing. And I just have proof of that because of the wiki entry on Hamas today versus in January. I just think that's really interesting. So I'll just read just the first sentence of each of those entries. One is today, Hamas is an acronym for the Islamic resistance movement. It's a Palestinian anti-imperialist, anti-colonialist, Sunni Islamist, uh, Islamist political and military organization governing the Gaza Strip of the Palestinian territories, which are illegally occupied by Israel under international law. Boy, I don't think you're hearing that a year ago. And you were not. Because <laughs> here's what the wiki is for Hamas from January of this year. Hamas is an acronym of the Israeli is Islamic resistance movement. It's a Palestinian Sunni Islamic fundamentalist, militant, nationalist organization who became the de facto governing authority of the Gaza Strip following the 2007 Battle of Gaza. Canada, the EU, Israel, Japan, Australia, the UK, and the US have designated Hamas a terrorist organization. So Boy, that, that just shows you that's a political you know, outlet. And that's it's just framing how you're supposed to, you know, where these go in the dialectic. It is such an information war, right? If you can control the narrative, if you can control what people believe, then you can control the way they feel about it and you can manipulate them in, into a way, get them get them standing up for, you know, in Har at, at Harvard and the Ivy League schools and in, in a way that uh, was was kind of unexpected. This whole thing feels gross. It feels stage managed. And and of course, you mentioned it earlier, all of these coincidental lapses in judgments like, oh, well, we just accidentally left the, the, the back door open and they walked right in. I mean, boy, if I didn't know any better, it's a little bit like 9-11. <laughs> you know, we, we just, you know, we, we our defenses were down. Our planes were, up, you know, were sent to the Canada to do training missions. We didn't have anybody around. Um, Moving on, let's talk about California because I'm a Californian. I'm not anymore, but I lived there for 35 years. You're a Californian now. We have a person that is, I would describe as an arsonist in Gavin Newsom, <laughs> who is uh, destroying this beautiful state, you know, the Golden State with the sixth largest economy in the world, California. Uh, this is a, a, a headline here. California Governor Gavin Newsom shifts blame on Republican critics for amplifying homeless crisis plaguing San Francisco and claims, quote, they have to focus on our failures for them to be right, despite the city facing an exodus over crime in the Daily Mail. Oh, you, so you're surprised that your enemies are focusing on your failures? <laughs> well, well, when your failures are so out in the open that they create an app that locates all of the locations of human feces on the city sidewalks in San Francisco. And you have been the mayor, you've been the board of supervisors, you've been the California uh, Dep deputy lieutenant governor, you've been the governor of California. This is solely Gavin Newsom's fault. 
How do these people have the audacity to stand up there in front of a camera, presumably not drunk, I guess, though that's questionable <laughs> when it comes to Gavin Newsom, and say these things with a straight face? He's got to be a raging psychopath at heart. Well, and that particular example, it absolutely has to be the policies, because I don't know if you were following what was happening in Austin. There's this mass exodus of people from L.A. into Austin. But they, but Austin, I think even before that, sent a delegation to L.A. and San Francisco a couple of years ago to learn from them their homeless policies. Then they brought them back to Austin. And if you've been to Austin since then, it really looks like it's been pillaged. You know, it feels like barbarians have just run over it. And the people there, there's a lot of it's very left leaning inside there. So it's not like they're like me saying, um, you know, private property rights would cure this. But what they're saying is that he that those policies are designed to change zoning laws so that they can bring in. Now, the Austin people think it's, you know, um, bring in more big housing projects out here. I have seen these tiny homes erupting all over the place. And that to me, I mean, they're unsanitary. They're really disruptive. Um, Allison McDowell would say that those tiny homes are slated to if they don't have already such surveillance that they literally talk about monitoring poop will monitor poop by poop <laughs> of the people who live in them. So that he can't he cannot hide behind that being intentional and exporting it. But luckily, he's come to the rescue. He's implemented the K through 12 media literacy program. Um, I, d d I'm almost afraid to ask what Gavin Newsom thinks is, uh, uh, is appropriate for kindergarten through 12th grade in terms of a media literacy program. Is this me? Is this code for propaganda? Well, it's actually a little more subtle than that because it's more like the Common Core. I remember trying to crack the code on the Common Core. And when you read it, it doesn't say anything. There's no content in it. So I had to read and reread this a few times. So it's a little convoluted in that what all it does is it's a law that was passed, which I don't even think it should be a law. It should be by school district, but that every curricula in California needs to incorporate the model library standards. So then you have to go read the model library standards, which look pretty good. They, they delineated from first grade to high school, and it all looks good. And when you read it like the third time, you realize, not that I wasn't looking for this already, but to really find the smoking guns, it heavily, heavily emphasizes how to understand um, the and trust authority to look for, you know, if you really took it in its whole, I'm not going to read all the passages to you, but it's very clear to me that the goal is to get you to recognize and trust mainstream media. They use the word evidence, I think, only once in the research phase of these model standards. And it's in high school where it's way too late. It says that you have to bring evidence when you do research, but that evidence can be a mainstream media article. So it's totally set up for that. And it introduces not only just trust in mainstream media, but also that you should, um, that the the authorities, the teachers can interject their politics. So I will just read you the one sentence from the guy who wrote it, Mark Berman from Menlo Park State Assemblyman, 
from climate denial to vaccine conspiracy theories to the January 6th attack on our nation's capital, the spread of online misinformation has had global and deadly consequences. We have a responsibility to teach the next generation to be more critical consumers of online content and more guarded against misinformation, propaganda, and conspiracy theories, which I would say 100% of investigative journalism is dedicated to uncovering conspiracy since the beginning of the press. But they're telling you, don't believe that anyone's doing anything that isn't being reported on CNN and Fox News. Oh, my God. This is just another case of projection by these people onto the general public. Accuse your enemy of that which you yourself are guilty of. It's just an old tactic. It, we call that the Hillary Clinton, right? Is that the is that the Hill? That's the Hillary yep. Clinton. <laughs> And there's one more thing. The way they're spinning it is totally left right so that I'm afraid that they're going to respond on the conservative side with like equal time laws or copycat laws in red states. I don't think they're going to start teaching kids uh, the the like seven primary fallacies or how to recognize evidence, evaluate it for yourself. Like that's not coming from either side of this. <laughs> no, eh, you know, listen, who cares about evidence? We're in a post-fact world. Hey, Monica, where's the best place for people to find your show? Thank you for asking. Monica'sDeepDives.com is where I put all my shows and all my sources, all my links. But if you just want to listen to the podcast, Deep Dives with Monica Perez, I'm also on Rockfin.com slash Deep Dives and you know, YouTube and Rumble. Rumble, of course, you can always find me there. But YouTube is Catch Us Catch Ken, as you know. Yeah, that's Monica Perez, everybody. Monica, you're the best. I'll see you next time. Have a great weekend. We'll be back after the break with David Whitehead. This is TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Well, the folks at Saturday Night Live were at it again last weekend, practicing their not-so-subtle anti-Semitism. This time, the mocking of Republican Elise Stefanik, who questioned three university presidents about Jewish genocide at a hearing. Ms. Stefanik. Thank you, Chairwoman. Now, I'm going to start screaming questions at these women like I'm Billy Eichner. Anti-Semitism, yay or nay? I'm sorry, what? Yes or no is calling for the genocide of Jews against the Code of Conduct for Harvard. Well, it depends on the context. <gasps> what? <laughs> that can't be your answer. And more. And keep in mind, if you don't say yes, you're going to make me look good, which is really, really hard to do. So I'll ask you straight up. Do you think genocide is bad? Remember I said SNL was at it again. This was 2021 Michael Shea. Israel is reporting that they vaccinated half of their population. And I'm going to guess it's the Jewish half. <laughs> A year prior, Shea said that the winner of the horrific uh, Miss Hitler contest was Miss Israel. He also, uh, when Donald Trump was president, by the way, called Donald Trump a bitch and a cracker. Very nice stuff. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT Radio Vision. You ever heard of a polyp? Sounds like a rare species of toad. Actually, it's a lump that grows inside me, your bowel. Look, I'm pretty sure if you had a strange lump growing on your forehead, you might get it looked at, right? But when they're growing inside me, nothing, nada. And the polyps I get can lead to Australia's second deadliest cancer. So, until there's a way to make them grow on your face, it's up to you to get me looked at. Got it? You have the power of information. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
And we're back. My final guest is the host of the Truth Warrior podcast. He is the producer of the Cult of the Medic series, documentary series, which is fantastic. You can find those over at dwtruthwarrior.com. Ladies and gentlemen, David Whitehead. Good to see you, David. How are you? Hey, Charlie. Good to see you, man. So good to be back. You're looking good. You're looking good too. And I'm afraid be, every time you and I get to get together, we start talking about the pharmaceutical industry and what a criminal enterprise this is. And um, and and look, there's finally some good news because I saw that over the year to date, we're about two weeks out from the end of the year, but year to date, Pfizer's stock price is down 47%. It has dropped from a, a 52 week high of $52 a share, now down to $26 a share. That is a loss of $150 billion in market cap just this year. What do you think the conversation is over at the headquarters at Pfizer these days? Is it time to uh, scare the general public into taking another round of experimental vaccines? Is that where we're going? Or are they just going to throw up their hands and uh, and give up? Yeah, time's going to tell. Uh, there's actually been some interesting information coming out that is still fresh to me. I'm still looking at it um, where it could be that this is uh, they're just moving all of their focus to another company um, or a few other companies just to move things around. So it could be that all Pfizer is is just taking the hit. Uh, but we know it goes much bigger than one single pharmaceutical company. Although I couldn't help but look at that drop in uh, revenue and credibility and go, all right, there is some progress being made in terms of waking people up to what's going on. Yeah, there is some progress. But we saw Scott Gottlieb. I think I know which company you're talking about. There's another biotech company that's starting to pull some of these major boogeymen into their board of directors and in advisory roles. And uh, I start to worry, much as you mentioned, that maybe a pivot has been made to move away from Pfizer. Pfizer has sort of the Monsanto treatment right now, right? It's a brand name that isn't necessarily well respected by people that actually know what they do. So is that what we're going to face here? You think that they're going to try and pull a fast one and rebrand under different names and the different corporations that have uh, both in the vaccine industry, but not as recognizable as maybe say a Pfizer, Merck or um, AstraZeneca. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I actually tell you a quick story to give you my thinking on this. I used to run a martial arts studio in Toronto and right next door to me was this cigar shop that I found out was actually run by the Italian mafia in the area. And every few months, the name of the shop would change to something else. One day it was cigars. Another time it was, you know, some kind of rare goods store, an antique shop, and it just kept changing. But I always saw the same guys going in and out. And what that means is just, just think about how the, the criminal mafia that everybody knows about operates, where once one of those operations get some heat or some publicity. What do they do? They just change the sign on the door and it's business as usual. So I just, my imagination, if I use it a little bit here, it's not really that much of a stretch to assume that this is how the biggest mafia in the world, which is the pharmaceutical cartels operates as well. Uh, other than that, we're still trying to collect information. So we're going to have to track this and see what comes next. But it, it seems like that's what would happen. That seems like the smart thing to do if if I was in their shoes. Yeah. Well, the, there's a lot of heat on them recently. We saw during the presidential debates here in, in the United States uh, earlier this week that Vivek was on and there was an eight minute 
uh, spot of his uh, pr- presentation, I guess. I don't know if it was much of a debate. It was more of more of like an education that he was given the, the viewing audience. Uh, an eight minute part was clipped out. And of course, that part, when they found it and put it on the Internet for the rest of the world to see, it it showed that what he was talking about was was the vaccine manufacturer's legal immunity. He was talking about the role that Ronald Reagan played in 1986 in creating the Vares Court and that whole system. And um, and of course, when you're when you're the mainstream nightly news and you get 60 percent of your ad revenue from the pharmaceutical industry, of course, you've got to cut out the part where the guy is explaining and giving away the game. Do you think that time is up when it comes to the general public understanding uh, a little bit more about how you mentioned uh, the pharmaceutical industry as being a cartel, I would say it is uh, 100%. It is a criminal cartel. I would remind the general public that every single manufacturer of vaccines is a convicted felon. The, every one of the companies has been found guilty in court of felonies and crimes and have paid the largest payouts in the history of the planet in paying back for vaccines that had or for uh, products that had gone awry. And of course, the VARES court, if ever there was a kangaroo court, it would be the VARES court. You've done a lot of work on this. What do you think? Uh, what do you think Vivek is going to get in his uh, stocking uh, from Santa this year for bringing up the immunity portion of the vaccines? Probably, a, I don't know, maybe a, a swim with the fishes, a one way ride in a helicopter by Pfizer. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not trying to get too, too graphic here, but um, we've seen lesser things happen to people that point out these uh, you know trillion dollar conspiracies, right? Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's business as usual. And just think about what you're talking there um, regarding the felonies that we've all seen and are very documented. This is just what they've been caught and prosecuted for. Uh, what do you think is still unknown to the general public about just how deep this rabbit hole goes? And we're getting many, many indications from various sources. It's great to see people like Vivek on the stage at uh, a, it was like a debate or a town hall or something. And he was even getting interrupted constantly when he was trying to bring up January 6th and all these other things that we're learning about. It seems like the general public is getting information put across their desk that they've never, they thought was all just crazy conspiracy theories, but it's being brought forward by some very credible people that are now very much in the public eye. And one can't help but wonder if this uh, information coming out is going to drive the real criminals that are trying to cover this up to extreme ends to try to protect this lie that we've all just been watching unfold right in front of us. So it'll be interesting to see. And um, of course, now you're going to see what the media does. The sponsored media is going to attack any and all who point this out, even though there they stand with the facts. Uh, The facts have been right in front of us the whole time. Anybody can check the data for themselves. And that's what people are doing. And that's why I'm glad to see you know, platforms like X and uh, we do have other free speech platforms where these people are allowed to even present this and they're getting millions of hits. We just had Alex Jones reinstated uh, having conversations with Elon Musk. I mean, that's that's historic, you know, when it comes to this kind of research. So it seems like the alternative fringe is becoming the mainstream and the big uh, cartel that we're talking about probably absolutely hates it. But what are they going to do about it, man? I don't know. We'll see. I hope that these people can be protected in some way, shape or form, but I'm just glad to see the truth coming to light.
Well, I'll tell you what, this show is not brought to you by Pfizer, but it seemed like over the last three years, every single thing I was watching was, and whether it was the Super Bowl or it was uh, 60 Minutes or, or or just the nightly news, you could see their tentacles in all of this. And of course, you have done a fantastic documentary series called Cult of the Medics that really explores not just where we are currently with regard to the uh, pharmaceutical industry, but the foundings of it. And I think if people were to understand how this industry came into being in the first place, they would have no doubt that it is a criminal cartel operating uh, with impunity uh, and protected by the government. What did you find when it came to the founding of the pharmaceutical industry that led you uh, to, you know, to the to the way you feel today about how this uh, criminal enterprise works? Well, it would take me a 12 part documentary series to break it all down. But if I gave you the elevator, luckily, you've finish. got one. <laughs> Well, I've just got 10, just so you know, I just released chapter 10 of 12 that I have planned for the series. It's a free series. People can go watch it anytime. They can share it. Um, and I'm putting my research into it. And I'm telling you, even what I've put in there, the more I've been making these films, uh, we're just scratching the surface. There's always so much more. And then other people have watched it and who are even deeper down the rabbit hole than I am. And they're sending me stuff. So it's endless. And what I think is, if you look at the history of it, you could start with like the Rockefeller industry, the Rockefeller syndicate. Um, you can get into the Flexner Report and some of these major events. You mentioned the 1986 Act, um, you know, and all of this where they have immunity from prosecution. Think about, uh, you know, where we even get the symbolism in medicine. And that's what we get into in this series. We just go, okay, well, what's with ancient symbolism? being all over our medical world, whether it comes to the pharmaceutical industry, the World Health Organization, this, you know, all of that. And when you start going down that path, you go, well, where did our, uh, where did Western medicine begin, really? Uh, who were the progenitors of it? Are they still around? And what were their ideas on it? And so I traced it all the way back to an order called the Knights of Malta. That's their current uh, name. They actually sit on the United Nations as a sovereign nation. They have the same immunity that Pfizer and these other pharmaceutical companies do, um, but as an actual, I'll call it what it is. It's a secret society that is public, but they've been active in this uh, arena, starting the first hospitals back in Jerusalem during the Crusades. They were originally called the Knights Hospitallers. They were known as the official military arm of the Vatican. And uh, they also set up various spy networks in the Middle East, etc. And lo and behold, don't we find Charlie, that the founding members of the CIA in America, uh, the founding members of, you know, even members of the Rockefeller family, Amschel Rothschild, um, some of the other top, you know, European aristocrats were all members of this order of the Knights of Malta that goes all the way. It's actually one of the oldest secret societies in history. It goes back well before even the Templars. And um, so it's, a, it's an interesting story to be told. And so I speculate, obviously not every member of the Knights of Malta is in on some giant conspiracy, but I'm talking about the compartmentalized steering committee that uh, you, we have to look at because, of course, these were the guys that were progenitors of these groups like the Club of Rome that I hope people are starting to hear more about. I do a whole analysis on that group where these are the guys that are pushing not only the pandemic stuff, but also the climate stuff simultaneously. And they have a vision of the world. That mirrors, you know, thinkers like Bertrand Russell and some of these other eugenicists that they believe that the world is overpopulated and that it's their job to manage the numbers of humanity and maintain them throughout their lives. Um, one of the colleagues that I put into the into Cult of the Medics, Michael Desarian, he made a comment. He's like, on an esoteric level, if you're to look at the sort of Masonic symbolism of the whole thing, 
Think about it. You're born in white and you die in black. So he said, they got you at both ends, dude. The white and the black checkerboard squares, you know, it's very interesting. So you start to speculate, you know, uh, is there something deeper and bigger and far more ancient going on here uh, than just, oh, a couple corrupt pharmaceutical companies here and there, a couple one-offs here and there. Is this a lot more organized and deeper than we can imagine? I mean, we're learning about deep states when we talk about our government. Uh, we've got Archbishop Vigano coming out of the Vatican to expose what's going on there, and he's calling it a deep church. It makes you think, well, is there deep medics? Is there deep medicine as well? Um, and I track it all the way back to Greece, where you have this thing called the cult of Asclepius. It's actually called the cult of Asclepius. That's where we get the, the staff with the serpent and the whole deal. Uh, so it's a fascinating journey of just not putting anything out that's declarative or final, but just to go, isn't it interesting that we've got all of these connections that lead to these same organizations, these same roundtables, and they're still involved in track and trace and espionage and uh, the medical project to maintain the human farm. And so my question is, who are these people? What are they really doing? Are they benevolent or are they malevolent? Uh, is it a mix of both? And what's really going on at the top? So that's the focus of the series. And I just give some speculations in it. And I hope people will do their own research and draw their own conclusions in the end. Well, we know that Henry Kissinger was a Knight of Malta, if that makes if that helps anybody out, because as was uh, Zygmunt Brzezinski, by the way, just to say. OK, well, yeah, there you go. The grand, the grand chessboard, uh, his daughter, yeah. Minka Brzezinski, is uh, does Morning Joe with uh, Joe Scarborough, who may or may not have killed his intern back in 2001. Uh, um, listen, there is a, a lot going on with regard to the pharmaceutical industry, and I think that on the surface level, if people think this is just about making money, they're missing a much deeper point here, too, because the money is part of it, but it's the control component. And you mentioned eugenics, and it's a dirty word that um, that Huxley was was deeply involved with the British Eugenics Society and, and in the 60s decided that they should pivot away from that term because it had so much baggage on it. And in rebrand themselves and 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 decide that you know maybe the better way to describe eugenics would be we'll call it transhumanism and so mm -hmm. that of course leads us down this path into the world economic forums fourth industrial revolution and lo and behold david what are they looking to do transhumanism is this a depopulation front as well yeah it's actually what i found charlie i did a deep dive on this and i came up with a title for a show called ancient transhumanism and i was basically looking into the I, i'm interested in the origin of ideas right and where they come from and the the goal to modify the human species from its natural state has been as old as you can track this you know you can go back to babylonian kings and you can go back to ancient egypt and you can go back to the roman empire the greeks and it and different empires around the world that have been seeking to try to alter humanity and change it and fix it and so who are these fixers? Who are these Who are these overseers? That's actually the title of my latest chapter, The Overseers. I got that from Charles Fort, uh, one of the writers from the early 1900s who speculated that, you know, essentially the earth is someone's property, or at least they've claimed it as such, and that we are like essentially farm animals living on that farm. And so if you, if you were to take that and just, you know, again, we're speculating here. If you were to take that concept and go, well, if that's the case, if this is sort of managed by someone or something in that manner, what would you need? Well, you would need 
uh, a, a group of medics that would basically be the same way that they would manage the animals on a farm uh, to make sure they're at the standard of health that the farmer wants so that they can be valuable goods. And then when the farmer needs to cull the overpopulated animal you know, groups, then, then he's at his full right to do it because he owns those animals. And if you think about the patented DNA that's in a lot of these jabs and, and God knows what else, and you see the move of transhumanism with the biotech world and with the pharmaceutical industry, and it's all the same names, faces, and financiers in the end when you track it, uh, it makes you wonder if there's a greater human project behind this transhumanist thing, which is to change humanity into something else. And lo and behold, Charlie, you've covered this many times, we've talked about it, WEF, Yuval Harari comes out and says we're hackable animals and hum you know free yeah. will is an illusion and freedom's an illusion, we're well, gonna create a technocracy. So. I didn't say it, they said it.